Finally, we have our boy Jay Noon in the building. Serious, serious, serious. Man, for having me, man. Of course, man. Hello, everyone. It is yours truly, Rick. You are watching Beneath the Surface. Like I just said a second ago, we have Jay Newton in the building. Yes, finally, man. I've been trying to get you on here ever since I started. This I know, week, man. man. <laughs> I'm glad I can finally make you here, bro. I'm glad that we did it, especially like after that album too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I really wanted you to like hear it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Time. It all worked out because I was like, when he dropped the project, I was like, see, look. <laughs> you see, I already, I already, I already had it planned. I was like, look, I got you, but just, just. Yeah, man. Yeah. You. Did you make it here safe? I always ask my artists. Yes, that. I definitely made it here safe. I wasn't too far, you uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So I definitely made it safe. Okay, good, good. good. Crazy. No, they can't drive. Right they now. can't drive. <laughs> they can't. Now, you are from Ellenwood. Yes, I'm from Ellenwood, Georgia. East Atlanta. East Atlanta, man. The east side of Atlanta, you know, to be specific. We call it like zone 6.5, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because it's like kind of like outside of the district. But yes, definitely, you know, home, Ellenwood, Decatur, all of that, man. The whole Tri City area. Now, born and raised? Uh, I was born inside Decatur. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up for my first like few years in like Gresham Park, and then um, but I spent majority of my life like you know what I'm saying like the ones that are pivotal like the teenage years and like you know middle school I spent that in Ellenwood, so I claimed Ellenwood. Okay, now I know you have a lot of memories, but what are a few that that you remember <laughs> growing up in Ellenwood? Man, like good or bad? <laughs> Let's stick with the good. All right, what's some I good know. memories you have? Good memories is just like, you know, we ain't, I didn't live on, in a neighborhood. Like I lived, like I was one of those houses just on like the main street. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I had different like friends that were in neighborhoods across the street from me and stuff. And like, we'll get off the bus and we'll literally like sit at where we got off at the bus for like hours and just like talk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, those are like yeah. just the, the things that like I miss, you know what I'm saying? As far as just where my life is now from where it was when I was in school, just like not being able to see like my friends like that because I'm pursuing something or not being able to connect with people like I used to be able to connect with people for hours and hours just to talk. Mm -hmm. um, so like those were the moments that I cherish looking back, you know, on like, you know, growing up. Okay, yeah. All right, now your grandfather yes. named you Janine. Well, he inspired my name. Jay inspired your name. Yeah, so, you know, Jay's my childhood name. Right. Or whatever. Um, growing up, my parents called me Jay. Everybody called me Jay. And um, the last conversation I had with my granddad, we was like sitting inside like his living room and we was talking music or not. As we was talking music, um, I was telling him like how I just want to be like a catalyst to change, like, you know what I'm saying? With, mm -hmm. with my voice or whatever. And he was like, you kind of remind me of like a young Huey Newton. And like from that, you know, like that, again, that was our last conversation. He passed away um, a couple weeks after that. And um, when he passed away, I put Newton at the end of J to honor him. And then I added an E because I wanted to be Google because there's already a J Newton. She's a writer, J Newton Smalls. Okay. Very smart. Yeah, Very so, smart. You know, yeah. Shout out to 11, like what? I was in the 10th grade, 9th, 10th grade. So shout out to 9th, 10th grade me for being a marketing genius. Right. From the <laughs> jump, man. From the jump. <laughs> now, what is something that your grandfather taught you that will stick with you forever? Um, just integrity. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a real big person of integrity. He was very like stand up guy, mm -hmm. you know, so he, um, 
he meant everything that he said. He never like, you know, BS when he was talking to you. You know, he kept it real. He kept it like, you know, authentic, authentic and true. And so like, that was the main thing that I really like got from him. Like for real, as far as just like, you know, how a man should, you know, like carry himself and also like present himself inside the world. Mm -hmm. And something like integrity, I believe is definitely important for Big, an artist. And especially getting into the music industry. Yes, because yes, it's a lot of the opposite. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a lot of, you know, um, negativity. It's a lot of, you know, crabs. It's a lot of just like shysty people that can really skew, you know, your whole, your whole like mindset, skew your whole like interaction with other people. So, yeah. you know, I just try and stay as authentic to myself as possible. Yeah, I feel you on that one, man. Now you are in a collective. Yes, sir. Eight. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which is artists, producers, engineers. Yes, sir, it is. Now, who's all in that crew? We got Boss Man. So we got Boss Man. Mm -hmm. We got Jock Beats, uh -huh. who is the musical genius. He raps, produces, sings, he does all of that. Uh -huh. We have um, Cleo Trapper. She's our in-house DJ. We have Akil Shaw. He's our in-house singer. We have um, CJ Three-Way. He is, you know what I'm saying? He, He's the guy, the X Factor, that like nobody really knows what he does, but y'all will see later. So uh -huh. I don't want to expose it here. And, um, you know, we have UB Lifestyle. He is our videographer and like visual director. And you got me, Jay Exactly, exactly. Um, a joint project? Oof, hey, we don't know what the future holds, man. Because, you know, when I, when I think of, when I think of, Y'all, you know, I think of Young Money, yeah. you know, I think of TDE, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like that family yeah. um, in the music business. And, you know, they all have, even J. Cole just dropped yeah, his Dreamville yeah, project. Right, right, right. So I think that would be dope for y'all yeah, in the future. Man, we, we don't know what's, what the future holds on or what's in the tank, but, you know, we all do have music together. Yeah, we do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, y'all work together a lot. Yes, yes, yes. Now, Boss Man. Boss Man beats the GOAT. Listen, now, you met him in band? Yeah, I met him in band in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Did y'all click um, immediately or? Uh, we was pretty cool. We was pretty cool, like, just off rip. Like, you know, the sixth grade, we kind of like, you know, he was played trumpet. I was the drums or whatever. So, like, he would sit in front of me. So, like, you know, we would, like, be cool in passing. We end up dating the same girl. Huh. So, like, that's, like, kind of like how, like, we, like, for real, for real, got like close or whatever, but um, yeah, we was pretty tight. We ain't never like beef or mm -hmm. like anything like that, no ever. Did y'all make a song about that? Ah, did we? We made some stupid songs. <laughs> Cause, Cause that's a song. <laughs> same girl. Like no, we, ain't, we ain't we make a song about it, but we still cool with her to this day. So. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, middle school, you know. Yeah. Now, you did a talent show. Yes. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. To a Young Jeezy record. Yes, sir. Now, yes, sir. when I found this out, it made me laugh because mm -hmm. I did a talent show in fifth grade, right? Word. <laughs> I did, um, me and this guy did Excuse Me Miss by Chris Brown. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was back when I was trying to be a singer. I feel it. <laughs> so, um, in the performance, we were singing, right? And we wanted, we wanted still the show, so we had some choreography. <laughs> so, we did like this step and we did this turn like new edition or something, right? The cord wraps Boy. around my body. <laughs> Yo. And I was like, bruh, because we rehearsed, singing was mm -hmm. on point. So I'm just trying to get out the cord while performing and whatnot. <laughs> but you know, the crowd was cool. But what is something that you remember from that 
performance. All right, so I remember, you know, I went first. I had the first verse, so I remember the verse and everything really? to to this day. And you know, we was wearing all black. We had like shades on and like hats or whatever, looking like you know, like <laughs> we was looking like we was from Ellenwood. And mm -hmm. and I did my verse, and then after I did my verse and we did the hook. My homeboy Theo that was doing it, he forgot his like verse like on the point. So he was just like, ah. And so like I was on the side, like trying to hype him up. Like, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he came back in and then like he did it. But like we ended up like, you know, winning. So hey. but, I was definitely nervous. I remember like I was on the side, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I gotta wake up. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> That's what's up. It's good. It's definitely good to um to be able to be spontaneous on stage right, like right, that. Right, and right. for you to be able to have man. your man back so early. Man, look, so that, that really instilled a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like I said um, previously, that kind of instilled my love for being on the stage. Mm -hmm. Like That was the thing that I was like, wow, like, you know, I like this. I like this interaction. I like this like praise kind of like thing that with like people like applauding and things of that nature. So I was yeah. like, I want to do this like for the rest of my life. Yeah. So you started officially making music in the eighth grade? Yeah, like seventh, eighth grade. Seventh, yeah. eighth grade. Mm -hmm. When was one of the first records do you remember making since then? So, so you know, seventh grade, I made a diss song about my teacher. Yeah. Uh, I got the worst whooping in my life for it. Eighth grade, um, eighth grade was around the time when like the swag rap was like, super hair like super out there like J Money and Young LA and like Travis Porter and all of that. So I was like uh that was like Roscoe Dash like all the what way year, turned what up. Year were you in eighth grade? Eighth grade, uh shoot like 2008, 2009, like 2009 ish. I'm 23. I'm 23. Yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you took you put me right yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, like, yeah. You had like Roscoe Dash, you had like, you know, Travis Porter, the Black Boy, White Boy Swag, uh -huh. like all of that. So like Rich Kids, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so yeah. that was like my first like type of music. I used to do covers or I used to do like remixes to like every song because I wanted to be like Wayne, but I rapped like a swag rapper. So mm -hmm. like I did like a remix to All The Way Turned Up. I did a remix to like, this is when No Ceilings came out too. So. Like all the songs that was on No Ceilings, I redid them and stuff. They're so trash. Like <laughs> they're so trash. I want to find them like so I can like you know like just laugh at them. But like, <laughs> the music was terrible. Like I think I went by J Stacks in the eighth grade. Like, oh snap! J Stacks. I had no bread, bro. I was talking, <laughs> talking about money, bro. Yeah, that was crazy. That's hilarious, man. It definitely a lot of a lot of influence on us was definitely around that time. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely shaped me. Like middle school time and music really shaped just like what I think of when I think of my childhood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As far as the you know, big clothes, how big clothes went to like jerking the tire, you know what I'm saying? Skinny jeans. And I had a friend that had skinny jeans, bro. I had every color. Bro, look, we had was, like, the jerking groups and stuff, you know what I'm saying? People were battling all of that. And then uh, that went from that to like Hollister and Aeropostale and, and, and American Eagle, yeah. like heavy. Yeah, and the Levi's and all of that, man. Yeah. Missy. Did they ever have like the, the furry tail? Oh, yeah. In the back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The little furry tail, little Keith. Change yeah, yeah, yeah. Your belt loop. Yeah. I was like, Lord, that was that was a moment, man. It was, man. So, <laughs> what high school did you go to? 
I went to Woodland High, so it was it's fairly new. Like it was like in Henry County. I'm like I had to kind of commute there because mm -hmm. I live close to MLK. Yeah. So we had to go from like Panola Road, Hearn Road, all the way to like Stockbridge to like go there because of how the district lines were. And so yeah, I went there. But I love I love Woodland and my experience there. It was pretty lit. Yeah. So while you were there, um, from ninth grade to twelfth grade, what mm -hmm. was like your music? Man, evolution. It was during, such a during that time. So like, when we can't again, like when I was early, like I didn't have an identity. So my identity was kind of like what was going on around me. So mm -hmm. ninth grade was kind of like when Wiz was popping out, yeah. and everybody had like the blonde patch and stuff like that. So it was like the little jet life type of rap, and so I was more like cool, calm, collective. But I also let like you know people like Soldier Boy and stuff still. Um, and then it kind of migrated. I became J New, and then like the tenth grade, that's when uh, I made a mixtape. It's when like Future came out, like super heavy, and when uh, Meek Mill started popping up, and so like my music started kind of sounding like in that realm. And then when eleventh grade came, that's when we really started making our own type of music. And starting off, we were like battling as far as like he would make these grand like produced like songs and. To this day, like the music is amazing, but it's just like there was no room for me to rap on it. And then like I would be over here trying to be super lyrical because I'm like trying to show that I can rap. Mm -hmm. So like we would be kind of clashing where it's like so much to take in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In, in the 11th grade and in 12th grade, we kind of got our like hand on like, OK, this is how we make music. This is how we make like sonic music. And so the first project that I can really claim as far as like stamping us, it was called Tapes on My Toyota. Uh -huh. And um, it was like a little eight song project. It was well produced, well written. And yeah, that kind of stemmed where we are today. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so finding your chemistry took some time. Yeah, it definitely did. Especially due to the fact that like right now we live together. So it's like mm -hmm. our chemistry is like, like we pretty much like 98% the same person. Yeah. But like starting off, we were, um, I had to like, go over his house like on breaks like winter break or like spring break to like record i couldn't just like go over his house as freely yeah and so like that like sporadicness of like me having to connect with him kind of showed inside our our um chemistry because i wasn't able to just create just because i had to create whatever i created we put it out because we didn't know when the next time we would be able to work as fluently for it yeah 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 i definitely get that because he went to a different school right? yeah even down to like college like it was the same way like he went to georgia southern and i was in kennesaw and then he transferred up here like my 11th grade year so yeah. um with that i would drive down to southern and like you know rap like do like four songs drive back up That's come crazy. back another like three months later i'll come back do another four songs you know so like we were doing that for a good minute and then when breaks came when he had to come back to school i mean come back home we would go to his crib, record some more, and then we'll go our separate ways. And stuff. No, that's crazy. So I'm glad that y'all was able to do that. That's crazy. No wonder why your music sounded the way it does, because y'all have been working towards yeah. this for a while. Yeah, literally. Even down to the music that you hear, like all of our music is like stem. It's not necessarily current, like when you hear it. Like even down to the the album, we've been making that album for two years. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's everything from 2017 to this moment right yeah. now. 
same thing for real men wear pink it was everything it was from 2015 to like 2014 really to 2017. Yeah. so it's like we like combine all of this music on along the way and then make it fuse so when you hear the project that follows this project it's gonna sound even crazy because it's like this is the music that we're currently making and it's like it yeah. continues to flow all right now you have some influences yes we have j cole yes yes definitely. we have jay-z yeah, yeah we have teddy riley yes and we have micro yes now when i found out Man. you felt about aaliyah that way listen. i was very happy yes <laughs> listen like aaliyah is such a inspiration to my artistry like mm -hmm. i i studied aaliyah i love like just as a child you know like infatuation wise of like just aaliyah when you hearing aaliyah as a kid but when i really grew up and was able to really study like her and just to realize that she did so much before she uh, like turned 23 she died at 22 so it's like that was amazing to me, you know, and then she's a Capricorn, I'm a Capricorn too, so it's like, you know, I was just like, wow, like, I love Aaliyah, like, and, yeah, her, Andre 3000, Cole, Jay-Z, Teddy Riley really are, like, the anatomy of me as yeah. an artist. Yeah. yeah. So, if you could do a record mm -hmm. with them individually, mm -hmm. what would it sound like? The Aaliyah record would be amazing. Like, the Aaliyah record would be really, really fire. It would kind of sound like whenever she did music with genuine or or a status major okay so like, so like a slow record yeah like a, definitely a slow kind of maybe like a a bounce to it would feel like how she has songs like um i don't wanna or um what else she has uh like not like a try again but like oh, like a um, four page letter maybe yeah like a four page letter anything like from from Aaliyah, the actual one in a million album and then the Aaliyah album that would be kind of like my realm of like where we would like go so what about three stacks three stacks i would just want three sets to just like body a verse like you know what i'm saying I, like he does yeah, all the all time, time. <laughs> body a verse like i want to hold my own where people are like wow that was a great verse but then i want him to just come in and just clean everything else yeah, yeah, yeah. But i want us to be on like kind of like a melodic like groovy like like track two where like you can kind of like ride in music like how he had with 16 with mm -hmm. rick ross and he's still out here dropping gems too. Like yes. he, he was on uh, Anderson Pack album. Yes, and he just he just pops up. He just like, pops up. So you, you, it's not that far it's off. It's not, man. So I definitely he might be on the next project. Hey, look, <laughs> hey, look, three stats. What's up, man? Yeah, definitely. Cole, I would want to do like a very story oriented song. Like I'm very narrative based because of Cole. Yeah, like anything, even down from like salsa with your mama to like just pray for me. Everything is such a story because he instilled that in me as far as like i fell in love with his storytelling ability so we would tell like probably like we'll have a song where we'll tell stories from opposite vantage points mm -hmm. or something like that so i would love to do that yeah so after you graduate high school yes you go to ksu yes Kennesaw state now during this time this this block of your life is very significant it is this is where jay newton yeah Became Jay Newton. Newton. Yeah. And then during this time you released Real Man Where yeah. Pink. Now was this project with the Cam homage? Come yeah, on now. Yes, now was this project intentional from the jump? Like did you No. Because like, it took three years, right? It took three years. So I had like different like it was a di whole different project that I was working on or a different name and everything. And I had 
some of the songs on Real Men Wear Pink were gonna be on the EP, some were gonna be on my album. Mm -hmm. And so I had it separated like that. The the EP was gonna be like um like Peach Jigga Juice or something like that. That was gonna be the name of like the EP. And oh, it was just okay. gonna have like all the random songs like Salsa, Don't Save Them, whatever, and then I was gonna have the real like songs like Liquid Courages and like where I'm like talking about things on the album. Mm -hmm. But me, me, Jock and Shell, we were like the original eight members. Um, Boss Man, we were the original eight members. So we were sitting inside our living room um, at Jock's house and it was pretty much like arguing about whether or not we should separate the project or put it together. So they agreed against me to like, you know, put it all together and I'm mm -hmm. glad they did. And so when we was thinking about the project name, I'm real big on marketing again. So like anytime I do like a project, I search on Apple Music or Spotify to see if the name is already taken mm -hmm. off rip. So I was like saying all different names and they weren't come um they were coming up. So I was like, dang, you can't use it. So I was just like, real men wear pink, because again, like I have synesthesia, so I was seeing pink as I was making it, you know, and also my granddad's favorite color was pink and I was dedicating it to him. Right. So I was like, real men wear pink and I looked it up, nothing came up. So I was like, that's the name of the album. So, yeah. And he's right, nothing comes up but his stuff. So yeah, I was really, like, like, yeah. Anytime, like if you look up like my projects, like in the future, like I'm not putting out an album that's like already an album already. Like it's always going to be the first because I'm just real particular about like the presentation of like the content. Yeah, that's really dope. That's actually a good tactic because. Yeah. So look, that there's was a, a lot gem. of look. I'm I, dropping yeah. gems, man. Look, there's a lot of albums that have the same name as something like something, whether that's a song, whether that's, you know, whatever, like an EP, they all like kind of have the same. They, they people use like very broad, like phrases or broad words that only put you to everything else and it's like if you make a phrase with four words then like you're able to kind of like narrow that down mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of people just doing phrases in album titles exactly now some songs that stick out to me of course bobby yes, yes yeah. uh liquid courage yeah relate and salsa with your mama <laughs> yeah. of course shout out to that remix man, man. love man. every shout out to everybody on that remix yes, the homies bro. yeah board are everybody on that yes man that was fire man appreciate it man um real quick about salsa with your mama what made you want to do a remix so later all right the track was out so it wasn't supposed to be like that i've oh. had the salsa remix for two years like literally oh. <laughs> so like i've been sitting oh, okay. on <laughs> like they had their verses already sent to me like they sent their verses before the album came out so I've had, Jay. I've had this forever. And so uh, <laughs> the first time I was gonna put it, like I dropped Sauce With Your Mom, the OG one on Cinco de Mayo of 2017. Okay. Uh -huh. I was gonna do the remix, the next Cinco de Mayo, I missed the date. So I was just like, ah, oh, dang, I forgot. So you waited another I year. I waited another calendar year, cause I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it on Cinco de Mayo the next year. Dang. That's crazy. So that's what happened. And it's just like, the song kept on living. Like, yeah. you know, it's living to this day, so it's just like, I was just like, why not? We just gonna soak this up and like milk it as much as possible. Yeah. And just that's what happened. Yeah, definitely. So now it's booming. It's really booming right now. That remix is going crazy on Spotify. Yeah, oh yes, yes, definitely. Now, real men wear pink. Yes. When you listen and think about this project mm -hmm. in 2019, yeah. what comes to your mind? It's just it's so it's it's I appreciate it, you know what I'm saying? Cause I appreciate what it did, but it, 
to me, like it's so like immature, you know what I'm saying? Just due to the fact of like where I'm at in my life, where I am writing wise, all of that. Like I knew Real Men Wear Pink was real intentional. I did it just to gain followers, pretty much gain people. I knew that Salsa would be the dance song everybody liked. I knew Liquid Courage would be the song that girls and guys can relate to. I knew that Bobby would be the guy's song and Relate would be the guy's song. I knew that girls would love drifting. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I did a compilation type of, type of thing where I knew these demographics that I want to touch will come because of Real Memory Pink. I kind of honed in on it more when I did like Summer Season because I was like, okay, this is a vibe album. But I also gave you something for everybody because I was just trying to gain people so I can make a, a album like Just Pray For Me. Like, all, Just Pray For Me, I was thinking about Just Pray For Me before I made Real Men Were Pink, but I was like, I just know that can't be my first album. It's too dense, you know, it's, it's too much for people to gain, I mean, grass, and also I didn't have the following at the time to put that out. So Real Men Were Pink was just more fun, more like nostalgic, where people can like, connect to and be like, I remember when that came out or I remember listening to it for the first time and what those memories come from that album for. Okay, yeah, that's dope. You gave the people what they wanted. Yeah. And just to get their attention. Just to get their attention so I can do whatever I want. I feel you on that one. In 2018, you had a few projects come out. You had Summer of Season yeah. and you had 4 for 4. Now, these projects were definitely up deep. Right. Um, but you said it was not a reflection of how you yeah, how your yeah. life was. No, it definitely wasn't like, um, you know, I, again, I knew those songs would do what they would do. You know, I knew people would like Summer Nights. I knew people would like, you know, um, On My Way and, yeah. you know, like you know, all of these different songs because, again, I was doing what I said in Real Men Were Pink. I was just trying to gain, excuse me, the followers to, you know, put out the music I want to put out. This whole time, though, I was working on Just Pray For Me. Like, even down to on summer, on summer season, I did a little Easter egg, so you know that I was working on Just Pray For Me. Like, the radio station was called JPFM Radio, like, you know, and, and like, it, on summer nights, you would hear Willie Hendricks, he's like, Lord, pray for me, you know what I'm saying? So it's- That was, like, that was intentional. All of that was intentional, as far as, like, just preparing for what I was about to do. But, you know, up until that point, 2018 was hard. You know, 2018 was definitely hard, especially the lather in when 4 for 4 came up because, it was the first time I was kind of like taking a break from the scene of like Atlanta and really just focusing on like the music. I was inside a relationship. I was, you know, just dealing with a lot of things at home and that kind of like put me in a very dark place. Like you put me in a super dark place, a place that I haven't been before. Um, I was about to graduate from like Kennesaw. So I was just dealing with that like post-grad depression, trying to struggle to even see if I was gonna graduate. Um, I wasn't on campus as heavy as I was beforehand. So it was just like, all of those factors really put me in a dark headspace where I was forced to make the music that I was making mm -hmm. off of it. So. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it's good that you were still able to give some people something to be you know, happy about with yeah. those projects, even yeah. when you were going through those things. Did people around you know? Uh, not really. Like, the only person that, like, really for real knew um, what I was going through was, like, Bossman, due to the fact that, one, he's my producer and engineer, but, like, also, like, he's, like, my close friend. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have to talk anyway because I'm recording with him. Yeah. So like we would talk through things like he would know like kind of where my headspace was. I didn't really go super in detail. There was a lot of things that he learned off of the album as well. But um, you know, 
we both were going through situations at the same time where we was able to relate to each other as we was talking. Right. Now, performing. Yeah. I've seen you perform. Yeah. And, you know, you are really a student of the craft because I think yeah. a lot of rappers don't realize what it takes to perform. Right. And I, I think personally rappers have it a lot harder when it comes to performing because when a singer, you know, performs, you can it's captivate a, somebody you can off, just, off the sonically, the, they're amazing singer. You know exactly. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to dance. Or if they can sing, yeah. you're like, whoa. Yeah, so for a rapper, it's like, and it's even harder when you're performing in front of a crowd that may not necessarily know your material. You know, it's more difficult. So what are some techniques that you have used over the years to perfect your, your performance? Okay, so these are some gems if you're an artist. So, you know. so off rip, you have to know your audience. You have to know who you're about to perform for. You have to know their demographic. You have to know what they listen to, what they look like, you know, and what would tailor make for them. None of my sets are tailored the same. You know, mm -hmm. I, I would make a set for this group separately from this group whether it's Atlanta, Kennesaw, wherever I'm at. And so I always look at like, who am I about to perform for? What's the like vibe of the audience and the event? Secondly, I try to engage people as much as possible. If you give to the audience, they'll give back. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that is like people who I don't know, like in, when I did um, Homecoming of 2017, mm -hmm. like I threw things in the crowd or whatever, that makes people be like, oh shoot, like I want something, you know what I'm saying? Right. Where's he throwing or whatever? And it makes people engage. You know, you relate to people, you talk to people individually and you're like, you know, hey, like you point them out. So now they feel important or like they feel like they're seen. Right. So now that creates intimacy between you two because you out of everybody that's there, whether it's big or small, you point out somebody. And so that engagement makes them want to tune in even more because they're like, wow, like, okay, like, let me see, like, what else? Or other people would be like, dang, I hope he doesn't call me or like, mm -hmm. I hope he calls me, you know what I'm uh -huh. saying? So it makes you think about it. Um, also, I use like kind of like covers, but not really covers. Like for Salsa, I did a remix or like a blend of Salsa and Big Pop. Okay. So like I do it because it's a familiar song. Everybody knows salsa. You already might like you know the vibe of salsa, but you don't want to show it. So you're like, oh, okay, I want salsa with your mama in your head, mm -hmm. and then you hear Big Papa, and you're like, oh, I know this song. So mm -hmm. everybody wants to sing along. Yeah. That's the 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 goal of an audience. They want to sing along, but they just don't know every like song that you might have. So for me to introduce early like a, a bit popular then you're like oh, okay i know the hook i love it when you come to be popular or whatever so it's like that makes the audience be like oh, okay cool like i'm involved now right and going forward then you can kind of like sell yourself going forward okay. right who are some of your influence when it comes to performing performing um you know i'm not a rager but i love like travis scott he's an amazing performer kanye west is an amazing like live performer um who else have i seen that was just like really really good um jay-z is a great performer really? as well yeah he, he doesn't have to do a lot but like he's so like in tune with his audience where it's like he can stand and put his foot on the stage i mean on a speaker and rap to you and you just feel like wow like this is amazing you would think that he's dancing and stuff but he's not <laughs> it's just the way that his like mannerisms is like he has such like swagger when he's performing mm -hmm. so he's a great performer cole is a good performer too bitch sean was a great performer um, why you say was 
No, he's still he's still. Oh, no. <laughs> when I saw what him, happened? what happened? What happened? No, no, no. When I saw him, I saw him during like Dark Sky Paradise like era. Of, like I think shit. that's his best era. Yeah, definitely was his best era, like for real. And he went crazy. Like he opened up for J. Cole. And I was like, wow, like Sean is the truth as far as like a performer. So seen a couple like great people, but I also seen artists on the come up that I was students of as well, like Kenny Mason, he's mm -hmm. amazing. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's one of the greatest performers I've ever seen. Michael Shout Aristotle, out. Shout you know, out. is a great performer. Jot Beats is an amazing performer. And, you know, I'm a very big student of Jot because he's on our, our um, collective, but he is a great, like, all around artist. So people like that, I really like looked at and was like, wow, like these are great performers. Shout out to the letter M, all of them. So yeah, shout out. So now we are here. Okay. 2019. 2019. Your boy Jay Newton releases Just Pray For Me. Yes, sir. Now, this project, I'm going to clap it up <laughs> for you. Thank you so much. I'm going to start off by clapping up for you because this project, man, it, it, it embodies a true artist. Mm. I believe this is your velvet rope mm. of your career right now. That's that. That yeah. bad boy right yeah, there from that. from Janet um, on that album, she's very vulnerable and she talks about domestic violence, mm -hmm. um, losing friends. I was very inspirational, inspirational in like the process of that and remember pink. Um, Bobby and and Quick Fronting came off of those chords of I Get Lonely. So if you listen to both of them side by side, like mm 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 mm, oh snap! Yeah, it's like mm mm, right around, it's going down and mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk. I want to start with the artwork because the artwork is a statement off Thank you. rip. Thank you. Talk about it's not about to happen. Like the album, the artwork went up the day that I posted it on Instagram. Like literally, like we made it that day. Like, and it was bad story. You know, I'm not going to tell what the guy name is, but there was a graphic artist that I was trying to work with. I had this concept of like being in front of a pink Lamborghini while I was burning and like have like it like kind of symbolize like me like just like in such a like my whole like whole life crazy pretty much like yeah, yeah. and so I thought it was gonna be a cool cover because I was like dang like I have to kind of compete with the real men wear pink cover because it's such an iconic cover mm -hmm. so um he was kind of like dragging his feet with it it was coming down to like deadline time I was like hey where's the cover where's the cover and he kind of never gave me the cover so like I was just like you know what are we gonna do we kind of gotta like improvise and so I have an aesthetic page where I just like come up with like different concepts and stuff and I was just like this concept would be dope if I had like you know me looking this way have a girl on my back has like a dove that's kind of like symbolizing like death and also like you know God and just like have them over me overshadowing me and through it all and you know me having like this dismal look on my face and stuff so I kind of like ran the concept by UV lifestyle he was like, okay, we could try it, you know, and see, because we had different concepts too, but I was like, no, this is going to be the cover. We shot the cover, like, I went, I edited it real quick, and I was like, I made it look the way it looks. And yeah, with the, with the paper yeah. and all of that, I was just like, that kind of was like in my head while I was working on it too, and then when I finished it, I sent it into the group message, and everybody was like, yo, like, <laughs> so you saw that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Definitely saw it, I was like... When I I was like, I hope it comes out the way that I'm thinking that it come out, because if so, it's gonna be the cover. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the production now. Boss man. 
<laughs> when you watch this, <laughs> yes, man. man, from the samples to the instruments, yes. it reminded me of, um, okay, so one, it reminded me of a Timberland production, because mm. Timberland has this, Timberland has this thing where he likes to put two completely different songs into one. Mm -hmm. So you listen to it and it halfway just takes you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And and it, your project did a lot of that. And I was like, that's crazy. It also reminded me of some Kanye production mm -hmm. with like the samples. Yeah. And 808s and Heartbreaks and the the you know the emotion right, with right. it. Definitely and of course it. Teddy Riley with with the nostalgia mm -hmm. of it all. Yeah. Shout out to Teddy Riley. He was part of the sample on like Please Don't Leave with like Black Street when he was in Black Street. So yeah. I was from that. Shout out to also uh, Kayla Price. Like Kayla Price was like one of the people that was just like, oh, I love samples. And she was kind of like when we was shooting um, Shoot Your Shot, like for, we've been shooting Shoot Your Shot since the album came out, mm -hmm. A Real More Pink, but mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, I really love samples like a lot. And like, it kind of like made us like, because uh, Bossman was so anti-sampling. He was like, oh, sampling doesn't isn't like, you know, authentic like production because he's such a like, you know, producer. Mm -hmm. And um, no, I didn't mind it. I'm a hip hop head, so it's like that's all it is in, in hip hop, but I understood where he was coming from. Mm -hmm. But when she said that he was like, okay, let me like test my my feet in sampling vocals and not like necessarily the music, but just sampling the words and stuff. And we went through an era of just sampling and that's where you got your, you know, um, Please don't leave. Your whole line crazies, the um, commitments and stuff of that nature. Is um to me, is I'm so into you, fabulous. Mm -hmm. That's in there too. Mm -hmm. I thought I heard to that. To me, a joint for yeah. the um, the second half of it and stuff. So yeah, the first half was an actual sample from Jock Beats, like he like the wheel fall, and that's Jock. Um, and so we just like played with just the concept of just like sampling and letting the samples kind of tell the story as well. Okay, I want to ask you how um, how does sampling work in your project? Like, do you have to get those cleared, or how does mm -hmm. how does that how does that work? Something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing I want. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it. Like a lot of people, like you know, you can reach out, like, but like in this digital era, it's mm -hmm. just like it's so abundant where it's like. You know, you just, you see what happens from it. Like some people might be down for the sample and then come back and don't be down for it. So mm -hmm. it's just like, you just never know where it will go. But it's not, it doesn't take over the album enough where it will be like a factor like inside the album, even down to some of the samples were remade mm -hmm. and just like song over. So it's not necessarily the sample, but it's like us reenacting the sample. Say less. Um, now, Peach Mimosa. Yes. Now, why is it titled Peach Mimosa? Because I was listening to the song mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, maybe this is a, the beverage that, you know, kind of embodied what you were talking about on there. Why, uh, why, that, why that title? Peach Mimosa is uh, when I was thinking about, like, I use like an emoji, like the little juice emoji on it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I looked at it and I was like, it looked like a cocktail, but I was just like, it's a peach mimosa. Like, I was just like, oh, it's a peach mimosa. Mm -hmm. And like, whenever I did like my, I have like juice or whatever too. My original like flavor for the juice was peach. So like everybody knew like the peach from Jiggy Juice. So it's just like the peach thing was kind of a, a thing heavy. And so when we was making the album and the second half of peach mimosa was more so like 
me getting away. And when I was thinking about that scene, I was thinking about like laying on the beach, you know, with like my homies or whatever, sipping on that cocktail, which would be a peach mimosa. So like, that's why I call it that. Okay. And that kind of embodied when we made the tour, the peach mimosa tour, because it's like, I'm getting away from like, where I'm at, the mind state that I was in Atlanta and, and just going to see different places. So everywhere was kind of that song when I was on tour. Okay. Now, records like Please Don't Go, Commitment, mm -hmm. and Trouble in Paradise. Yeah. Shout out to Jack Beast and Shout the letter M. Yes, yes. They did their thing on that. You have this reoccurring theme of trust and commitment mm -hmm. or the lack thereof. Um, in your relationships and things like that. I wanted to ask you, how would you handle, you know, these issues that are, that happen in every relationship with you and traveling and things like that? Cause you're only gonna get bigger. You're only gonna um, tour in Europe and all that stuff. You know what I mean? How would you handle those situations in the future? Um, I don't really have a trust issue. It's more so of like, I'd be trying to save people before they get to that point from me because it's not like I would do anything, but I just know what this like comes with. Like I know like what so many eyes comes with. I know like if I post somebody on my page, the array of people who are gonna go to that person and just like, you know, whether they stop that person, whether they like, you know, be envious of that person, shade that person, like say anything like, I don't want that for my personal life. I will want like, you know, my personal life to be private and, and sacred or whatever, where I can live in peace. But it takes a strong individual to understand that, like, you know, again, even up to this point, like up until the point of me being in a relationship, I was single for five years. So it's like, you know, my whole college life was like devoted to being a persona. So my audience, which is generally women, you know, could like feel, you know, my music or like live my music or even feel like the accessible or tangibleness of me as an artist. And so with being in a relationship, I was scared because I was like, you know, what if like, you know, this kind of like stumps my like trajectory of like, you know, people following me, like women following me, like women like being interactive with like my artistry and stuff like that. So that kind of was like an overshadowing aspect of it. And, you know, just dealing with the communication of letting you know, like, hey, like, you know, I'm not not posting you because I don't want to like post you. It's just yeah. I want to keep a life private and sacred and what that kind of stems from afterwards. Wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because definitely once you put your personal life out oh, there, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, and it's out there for the world. The internet always lives and it's like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just an anti-internet like um, <laughs> advocate because every time I'm on like a, a talking aspect i've talked about social media and but it's literally the devil you know it's it's the the aspect that you always are comparing something you're always like looking at somebody else's life and seeing how it relates to your life yeah. seeing people's trajectory and relating it to your trajectory and their timeline and, and comparing timelines and it's like it doesn't have to be that way like that the internet is the matrix pretty much and it's like you can literally be content and comfortable with where you are if you didn't even know what other people were doing. But it's like, because we're put in an era where it's always put in front of your face, you have no other option but to compare. Yeah, I, I think we've all fallen victim to all of us. social media. Literally, all of us. There's no, 
unless you just like a, a I don't use social media, I don't use a phone like person where you just a traditionalist, mm -hmm. there's no way that you're not influenced by it. Yeah. Now, pain in my eyes. Yes. You worked with Willie from Atlanta. Oh uh, yeah, Wiley. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell me how y'all got together on that record. Um, I love Wiley as an artist. That's my brother. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's a, such a dope artist, and so. I knew when I was making the album or making that song and writing it, I love his voice texture. So I was like, I would love to hear his voice texture on this song. Like, I feel like he can kind of embody the pain that I'm writing about, especially with the raspiness of his voice. Yeah, and yeah. so um, I wanted that. Like, I wanted him to kind of like put that icing on whatever I was talking about in the verses. Yeah. That record was definitely, I was listening to that. I could definitely hear the pain mm -hmm. in that one. Yeah. So shout out to that. And Whole Life Crazy, that's my favorite. That's that's probably my favorite song off the project. Love, yeah. But you know, there's also another one entitled No More Parties in Atlanta. Yes, yes, yes. Now, this is another one of those records that does that transition. That transition. Now I took a lyric from this and I'ma say it and I just want you to speak on it, all right? Alright, it's cool. Okay, it says I've lost so many loved ones and close friends. I've been weeping. Feels I'm losing my religion. Hurting, heartbreaking. Taking so much at once, now I'm aching. Speak on, speak on that. Yeah, like, you know, in the process of making this album, we lost, like, I lost personally, and Shell lost his own amount of people. He lost anywhere 10, 15 people. I've lost 10, 15 people. I lost, the count is probably like 15 right now. So it's like, you know, just in the two years of just like, you know, li like living through this album, making it, having just pray for me be the, like the title already, like it is just, it gets real draining every time that like, you know, things go good and then like you lose somebody, like, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. like you, you cry so much about like, you know, like losing people in private, but you are the strong person, so you can't show it, you know what I'm saying, in the public eye because people see you as a happy-go-lucky person. You know what I'm saying? It's just like so much going on. It's, just, it's to the point where you start questioning yourself, questioning God, you question everything where it's like, why is this happening? Why is this continuing to like be a thing? Why are people just dropping off the face of the earth? And so, um, that one, that song, No More Parties, was the first concept of Just Pray For Me. Because the album um, sparked from, I had a little homie who, voice you can hear in the little transition part where yeah. he's like, I'm fearless, you can't be scared. Like he was the guy that died like literally moments after he said that. He said that um, and he just got accepted into college. He just accepted God into his life, all of that. He's talking about it. And you know, he was at a party, got the party got shot up, he got shot, died on the spot. And this was like a week before his graduation from college, I mean high school. So it's just like, you know, things of that nature. That that happened the exact same day we were shooting the OG salsa with your mama video. What? You feel me? So it's like all of that is just happening at the same time and it's just like wow, like it opened my eyes. That spark just prayed for me. And continue to go forward, lost people every almost feel like every month since then every other month if that so that that song was the one that had to if anything that song had to be on the album regardless both parts because it's such a 
it shows how things it shows, change, yeah, like, just like that. Yeah, because the first half of it is is a party. Man, that's 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 that's. How hard is it to to put that in a song and put that out there for everybody to hear, no matter who they are? Um, it's tough. I mean, like it's it's tough being vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like you are pretty much naked to like people. Like I don't have a problem with expressing about anything. I love questions. I love like you know interaction and talking about you know what it took to make things. But at the same time, it comes with consequences. Like, you know, talking about my relationship comes with consequences. Talking about my family life comes with consequences on my family side. So it's like, you know, I'm being naked, like, publicly for the world and to enjoy. But in reality, it's like a coping mechanism for me to have therapy. Like, it's literally therapeutic for me to have these conversations with these people outside of the music about what I'm talking about because I know I'm not gonna necessarily just bring it up. I'm not like an expressive person unless you ask me. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to ask me, I have to put it out for you to hear or see where I'm coming from. Right. Right. You have a record, Thank You Jesus. Yes. I'm not worthy. Yes. Now this record is very important on this album because you know you talk about almost you know losing your religion and, mm -hmm. and just, just losing hope. Yeah. Tell me how this record came about and why it was so important to put it on the project. So, you know, the scene in my mind when I'm looking at it is like, you know, this is the funeral, you know, and this is like post the no more funerals. This is that week later, you know, when you have the funeral and this is the song being sung at the funeral. And it's like you like really like sitting there at the funeral hearing these words and you're like wow like thank you jesus regardless of how i feel about the situation i'm still here you still have me here for a reason i'm not worthy of like the grace of like you forgiving me for even almost losing my religion forgiving me for like all of the things i've done in my like lifespan up until this point I'm, like i'm literally not worthy of the grace of being able to you know still be accepted by you because i've sinned you know what i'm saying we all sin and so um, that was, again, the last song, the last song that we made right before we submitted the album. We made it the day that we submitted the album. And um, yeah, it was just pivotal because it really just embodied the full scope of regardless of where your life comes, like where you're, wherever you are in the world, you can still kind of just like reflect on, wow, like I'm still here, I'm still blessed no matter what we may think of our life, our circumstances, our situations. Right. We're not worthy of that love. All right, how did you choose who you wanted to um, have a part of that record? Um, really, it just came down to like, you know, I wanted to have a choir. So the choir is 808, so it's Jock, Akil, Cleo, who were the choir. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had Shamba, we worked with Shamba like often. So shout I know, shout out to Shamba, and I knew she was capable of like conveying that you know, she um, I've, you know, we've talked about situations like that too. So, called her up for it, and she was able to, you know, lend her voice with it, and it came out beautiful. Yeah, they really did. Shout out to everyone that was on this project. This yes. project, just pray for me, is going to be a moment. Thank you. I know it just came out, but listening to it, I li I, li I listened to it a lot, and I was like, he has that artistry that not a lot of artists can do to be able to have a song for the club, have a song for when you're feeling some type of way, have a song for relationships all in one project. Yeah. With the instrumentation and the 
the perfect placements of the features and appreciate you. So you much. did that, man. Thank you, man, so much. Like it, this, this project meant the world to me. This is the album that I always wanted to make. You know, so like this was the one that like if I have to show people like an album, I'm gonna show them this album no matter where I'm at inside my life because this one is just a stamp of like where I'm at as a person, what I've been through up until this point. And I think it just embodies who I would want to be known for. Like when I was thinking about all of these people dying, I was just like, if I die today, I don't wanna be known for Salsa Chamonix. I don't wanna be known for Shusha Shot. I don't want people to you know, only remember those music and um, songs and play that when I'm gone. Like, I would want you to remember me for just pray for me. I would want you to you know, really understand or feel like you know me even more out of my music because that's how I felt with artists like J. Cole, like with artists like Aaliyah, Jay-Z, Andre, like I felt them through their words. So I want to have words that stand the test of time. Well, I want to thank you, man, for coming through. Thank you for having me, man. Long this time coming. This is super dope. Man, thank you. <laughs> it's dope. So if you want anyone to hear your music right. and follow you, where can they do that at? So off rip, you can Google J-A-Y-E Newton. That's going to take you to anything that you want to see, whether that's my Apple Music, my website, my Spotify, anything, articles that you may want to read up on my website. So J-A-Y-E Newton, if you want to Google that. But if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, that is also J-A-Y-E Newton. Anywhere that you put J-A-Y-E Newton, you're going to see me come up. Apple, Spotify, anything. Say less, man. I am yours truly. Rick, you just watched beneath the surface with jay newton y'all make sir. sure y'all go listen to just praise pray for me sir. and his other projects as well and yeah we are out man thank you man yeah thank, thank you man thank you so much yeah